0: I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. Andy Milne's outstanding career spans a wide breadth from collaborating among the elite of North American creative music to being an accomplished film scorer and educator. I originally spoke with Andy in early 2020 in advance of his tour for his then newly released trio album, The Remission. That canceled tour has been rescheduled now, two years later, but much has happened with the trio Andy Milne in unison in that time. Most notably, the album won a Juno Award in 2021 for Jazz Album of the Year in the group category. Although two years have passed, much of our conversation is still relevant and brimming with insight into the world of Andy Milne. I want to start out by asking you about um, the repertoire you play in the, in the trio unison. I know your new album is mostly original music, but I guess I'm thinking about you know when you play live with the group and, and uh, you play works by other composers, what do you gravitate toward Well, I mean,
1: I think because this, maybe because this group, um, you know, the musicians that that, that I've chosen to play with in this particular configuration have, you know, a pretty deep relationship with playing the music that's that's sort of understood as being from the the sort of deeper tradition of, of, of playing standards and playing music that's written by jazz composers and sort of associated with that. Tradition, but also having, you know, pop music curiosities and, and R&B curiosities to certain degrees. But so I think I generally pick music that I know that they have an affinity for expressing, or have maybe multiple affinities for expressing.
0: And you know, that
1: not just them, but also for myself, because I think maybe in other projects it wouldn't have necessarily been my my sort of default uh, destination. So, like, you know, playing a, playing a, two tunes on the record that are not mine. One's a Penny Golson tune, and one's a mccoy Tyner tune. And so, I, you know, I, that's part, maybe partly the just, like, having that as an option. It's not that I couldn't have played those composers' works in other bands, but I think it just feels like it's a, there's no translation. Um, and I'm not sure. I would even say that it's, it's not even fair to say that, that. If I think about my other groups, it's not even fair because those musicians know that music too. But I think it's just more, maybe more the primary focus uh, to play instrumental music that is, you know, lends itself well to improvisation. But that lends itself well to, lends itself well to lyricism and,
0: and storytelling. And in terms of your compositions that you bring to the group. Do you look to the personalities or the strengths, say, of the other folks? I mean, I, I certainly know Clarence Penn from mm-hmm. his career over 30 years. I'm less familiar with John Ebert. You know, do you look to their strengths and personalities in terms of what original compositions you bring to the, to the group? Well, it's a
1: funny story because when I started playing, kind of building this trio, we did a session and I wrote music that uh we had you know recorded and didn't end up releasing because i wasn't happy with it and it really wasn't the right mm-hmm. music for that group and it had less to do with maybe their personalities and abilities and more just to do with the personality of the trio as a collective and as a whole and so you know they're versatile musicians that have a lot of broad experience but i think there's sometimes a you know, kind of a necessary acknowledgement of like, well, what is this group to be? And what is this sort of, what is the strength? What is the strongest sort of place that, that that we can collectively express from? And I think for me, writing music for this as a new group, it took me a second to kind of um, present that music to them, and then still leaving the space for them to be individuals and and for them to be interpreting. Because that's one thing that's important obviously for me is to then have have room for them. You know, I can still have my ideas but I still want to be able to have room for them. And I you know, it's important to me when I'm in other people's groups and I and I have and someone gives me room to to uh explore and express and, and experiment and uh if I wanna there's always a the, the need to find that. Um And I think it took a second to figure out what that that dynamic would be for this particular configuration and group. like I've never done trio things ever, ever. But certainly, you know, large part of part of my career and and writing material was not for something this this type of you know setting. Right. So it took it took a second, honestly. But I think it's it's like they have they they have a lot of uh, range that they can bring. And it's, it's it's probably the thing that is most exciting and exhilarating with these guys is this that we really explore sound. I mean, it's probably the one of the things that's most important to me, generally speaking, as well. Um, and just the subtlety of sound and texture, and that's something that that uh, you know, I kind of write music, and then and then all of a sudden there's this big, big kind of wonderful question mark of like, what sounds are they going to bring? bring you, you bring to it, especially Clarence, you know. Um, and so that's that's kind of this wonderful sort of orchestration aspect that you're leaving it to them, and they're gonna. And, and so I've given, you know, structures or maybe even some dynamic intentions, but then they bring these sounds that just bring it. They they, they bring this other uh, orchestral element that I love that that I wouldn't feel maybe as comfortable giving them because I want them to have that space.
0: I want to talk about the new record a little bit. I know it's a remission, is sort of a reference to your bout with cancer. I don't know if you wanted to, if there's anything that you want to tell the audience, you know, about why you chose to go that route with this record or anything along those lines.
1: Yeah, it has to
0: do with the fact that,
1: like, as I was kind of dealing with making, you know, kind of life changes and also just sort of coming to terms with. Uh, you know, just new realities in my life uh, that were, were, were going to affect me uh, artistically and just in terms of slowing down or active, not necessarily slowing down, but just changing the focus of my activities and changing the way I was sort of uh, working and and, and and sort of how my enterprising spirit was going to express itself It it was really it just happened to coincide with a lot of factors in my life and a lot of factors in other musicians' lives that I was collaborating with. So, um, me deciding to to, do a trio and get really serious about it towards the end of 2017 just happened to you know coincide with me having to um, prepare for you know going through basically a year of treatment and 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 sort of change my focus and and so you you know. Coming out of that, on the other side of it, was this opportunity to, you know, sort of see how that that first draft, first wave, or maybe first first, first wave, wave one point five, I suppose, you know, of kind of getting inside of that particular new appreciation and and, and sort of in a way, in a lot of ways. I mean, playing in the trail you put yourself as a pianist in a different kind of focal point. I mean, a lot of groups I've had, I've, I would have a focal point of being a composer, but it's different. Uh, on the performance side of things when, when the groups are, you know, and especially for pianists in, in a trio setting, that's really kind of, um, uh, you know, bouncing off a horn player, you're not bouncing off a singer. You're, 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 you're really taking the lead in a lot of different areas that are, are maybe less typical in these other environments when there's several other melodic players mm-hmm. to work with. And, and, and so I, for me, I, I, um, I know it's probably a roundabout answer for your question, so I'm just warming up to it so for permit me for, for a second, but but I I think it, it's just uh like the that, you know, coming out of that and then sort of kinda of going, All right, I made I made some major change in my life and I've also, you know, just in terms of my personal life and my health and whatnot, but also artistically to kind of embrace something that I had sort of avoided for a long time. And so it's just kind of a play on in words in, the, in a lot of ways because I'm I'm okay and I'm good and, and also I'm I'm happy that that I'm able to see my way through it a, and a sort of a you know a significant change in how I'm conceiving of my music um, for for like sort of a I guess a flagship group that's sort of becoming a new focus because it it was time for me to to not uh, beat myself up. Um, physically, the way I had, uh, you know, in previous groups where, I, you know, I'd be schlepping a lot of keyboards around and just things like that that, 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 that were required to make that music come alive in a lot of ways. And it's just kind of a a, a personal nod to, to uh, a bit of a reboot artistically and, and personally.
0: And another side of your musical life, you have a very interesting connection to Star Trek. And uh, I wonder um, if you know you could tell us a little bit about that, how it came about, and and you know what the repercussions were in your professional life.
1: Well, the, the Star Trek thing was was a, I mean it was a, it was a nice happy accident because I mean I started working with started working with Avery Brooks like maybe two thousand or something like that, 2005, 2006, something like that, maybe, in that zone. And he and I really hit it off. And at some point, like he and I had met, like just, just kind of in passing, like a decade or so earlier than that. But um, So he was aware of me as a musician, but then we started collaborating together. And somewhere, I guess it would have been Few years, a couple of years after that, I suppose, William Shatner approached uh, everyone that he was going to interview to sort of profile their relationship to Star Trek and their relationship to theater and acting and and just everything they wanted to cover, music, the whole nine. Like, he, um, when he decided to do this documentary, he's interviewing, traveling around, interviewing he, all the personalities that, that followed him in the captain's role. And he got to Avery... And they spent most of the time during the couple of days they spent together just Avery sitting at the piano and at his home. And the two of them were sort of just riffing. And, and they were talking about music and, and, and they were using musical metaphors. And, you know, it was getting very existential in some ways. But, I, I mean, I wasn't there, but I mean, I've seen the, a lot of footage from interviews. and um, And in the midst of that, they were talking about music for the film. And, and, and Shatner said, we'd well, really love to have him do the music for the film, and Avery was very quick to say, no, I've I've got the guy. And, and he's referring to me. And so, um, ironically, because at the time, too, Shatner was working with a one of the production partners was a uh, Canadian production company, and I'm Canadian, and so there was this nice also added synergy that they would be able to have a Canadian composer for this. To, to, for that, that was sort of made for a nice synergy as far as the the, the Canadian producer was concerned. But it was primarily because Avery was like, ah, oh, I've got the guy. And so mm-hmm. I remember Avery, called, he called me up. Um, I had no idea that he was doing these interviews. He just called me up and just, he just very obtusely said something about, like, would you want to do the music for a film with Mr. Shatner? And I said, sure, <laughs> what's going on? And he didn't really give me much information. And then I didn't hear about it for another nine months or so. And then he called me up again and said, yeah, it's going to happen. I'm going to give them your number. And then, um, they called me up literally the next day and, and, and introduced themselves and said, uh, yeah, we you've come highly recommended. Uh, how can we get this going? And so then we, uh, did, you know, a lot of things ensued, but, but ultimately it got to the point where I was, you know, collaborating with, uh, with Shatner and, and with, uh, producer David Dupone and, uh, did seven seven different films with them over the span of about a year and a half, which was uh, which was great because I was a Star Trek fan, but I didn't have time to really you know worry about my fandom. I had to just sort of jump right in, and I think maybe having an affinity for the themes and the personalities and the content it was was easy, but it wasn't you know it was just made of, it wasn't it, I guess it was easy because it wasn't like I was judging anything, and they could just kind of Jump right in, and I was happy to, to to get in, get involved. I mean, there was no it was no convincing needed, of course, but there was no there's no space for you to kind of worry about being a fan, but you having an affinity for the the material, I think, is 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 nice. Um, so when I did all that, it was it was really quite grueling, but it got a little easier over time. But you know, it was pretty intense. The very first film we did, we did all I like. I flew to L.A. and I did all the music. In about a day day and a half, and it was just a super intense um, super intense kind of uh compacted pressure packed uh, couple of days and of course you know, not, not knowing everyone, you just sort of don't know if anybody's even liking what you're doing initially um but that was it was a really rewarding experience and 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 uh I think you know it was just kind of interesting watching. Shatner work and sort of seeing his, you know, methodology and in sort of in the studio when we were doing that particular first film together and just kind of understanding his his um, his creative process and then getting to know him a little bit o- over the years as well. I mean, like Avery and I knew each other well because we'd worked together a lot, but it was getting to know Shatner a little bit too. And then I I did a few performances uh, with Avery. Uh, around that time and shortly after at some star trek conventions and sci-fi conventions and we performed together and then spent time hanging out with shatner there and got to know him more and you know well <laughs> so actually got to know you know uh, at least not get to know but had some interesting conversations with some other actors that that uh, were associated with star trek So it was kind of a fun uh little insert because I, you know i wasn't living in that world but i made some friendships Connections that came came from that, and had a, had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. When you're writing music for a film, it's not often um, you're not getting compositions in the same way you're writing compositions to perform. Right. Um, so some things, lend, like there's two there's two pieces on on the, on the trio record that came from films that I wrote. Um, they were shorter in some cases, uh, but they just expanded. Based upon uh, me going back and saying, "Hey, there's something here I can I can expand I could expand upon for uh, a full piece of music with improvisation and whatnot." But a couple of them they started out just as short cues that had less information needed, um, which is kind of cool that I could you know could go back and create music. I remember when I was like normally in a film you don't necessarily give every cue that might be 15 seconds or something like that a title because it's not really a song in the more traditional sense, but you still have to register a piece of music has to have some sort of name to sort of identify for copyright purposes. Sure. And so, in the first film, I named everything. <laughs> so I named them all after different episodes or inspired by different episodes from the three, or three or four different franchises. I can't remember now, but it was it was quite this interesting process. You know, then the subsequent films, I, I I decided that was a little too laborious, you know, but, but, uh, for the first one, it was kind of fun because I was extracting these names from, from episodes and whatnot, or just things that got said in, the, in, the, in that scene that it was, uh, being scored for. So yeah. like there's a, the piece that one of the pieces that's on the, the trio record is called anything about anything. And that was, that was a quote from Patrick Stewart that he said in his segment, of one of the films and, uh, and it was like a very short you know it was like the closing credits he says this thing and uh, well, the credits are rolling and I've got to speak some music and it's probably 10 seconds long the piece and I you know so I, but I had written the whole piece and then it was a short ballad and then I ended up using it just a few seconds of it for the film but
0: I had this piece so it was, <laughs> but
1: it was, it was nice to be really titled you know sometimes I, I rack my brain coming with the titles
0: well, Andy, it's been really a pleasure to talk to you, I, I thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah sure, it was a pleasure that you're interested.
0: That's it for this edition of the Showbiz Roundup. Our theme music is performed by Outside the Sphere, an experimental duo consisting of Tony Barba and myself. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Bluestem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org. And you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletakebuzz.com.